0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. One and all, big and small. You've reached the podcast known as the Three Carnies. So come on. Let's show you around. You
1: got the gift. Just like you. You might not see it as a gift. You probably think it's more of a curse. <laughs> is it's both there's rules boy
2: give life
0: you gotta take it from something else welcome to the
2: three carnies hi everyone i'm jen hi and this is still monica and i'm tana this week we're going to be discussing season one episode three tip 10 so let's get started All right. So this episode opens with a funeral procession in slow motion. The carnival has arrived at their next destination at not such a good time, and no one is pleased that they are there. Samson soon sends Jones and Ben into town to grab supplies. We learn that the carnival has been off-circuit since Ben has joined them. Local sheriff, Lyle Donovan, stops by the carnival and asks Samson to not set up because the town has been hit especially hard with the Depression and most cannot afford to frivolously spend money. This news makes Samson unhappy. Meanwhile, at the market in town, Ben finds a truck with a sign saying Big Sky Farms and compares it to the photo of his mother and realizes that it is the same truck. Before he can inquire about it, Ben is spotted by Maddie, the girl whose legs he healed in episode one, and soon a crowd swarms him, hoping for a healing touch. Ben and Jones escape in the Chevy. So what did you guys think of the beginning of the episode? Do you think there's any significance for it starting in slow motion at all?
1: I don't know if significance, but more like it set an emotional tone. They were all dirty and sad and just you you could see the mourning on their face.
0: And and see, as far as the episode goes, the slow motion is the one thing I didn't like. The music started off and I was all into it. And the slow motion bit for me contrasted with the gravity of the scene and the music. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, it didn't, it wasn't harmonious for me. Mm. I would have preferred either them do it like how they've done previously when they're showing up and people are down and out. Because it's like the ambient noises that they have and the focus is more on the environment. And I, I get why the slow motion was there to have that contrasting, like when everyone is really upset and just completely drained and then you see the carnival roll in but not with the oh look it's the carnival it's this like what kind of vibe so that just didn't hit me with a positive did you guys like the jonesy and ben exchange in the car or truck i should say i'll
1: say i was (laughs) when samson was like ben you go with jonesy i was like Ooh, Samson's trying to do friend matchmaker. Like he was clearly trying <laughs> to like, all right, I'm going to stick them in a small car
0: so they start getting along because this is annoying. <laughs> yeah, I when I saw that, it, what's really great about that is Jonesy clearly has a bone to pick with him and Ben's just oblivious. He's there and he's looking at the road and he just doesn't have a vague idea of why Jonesy might not like him so much.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I wrote down involvement with Ben, the carnival's involvement with Ben has put like uncertainty onto things. And then Jonesy feels like he's on shaky ground. So he doesn't know where things stand anymore. Probably partially why he doesn't like him.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think it makes sense that Ben is oblivious because Ben's never seen Jonesy fawn over. Sophie. he has no idea that jonesy has a crush on this person who's talking to him that he's getting to be buddies with
0: yeah it was it was a good scene to to be following the last episode where there was the collapse of sophie's mother and it that sense of protectiveness emerged from jonesy along with the feelings that he had for her i thought it it played true to what we know about those characters right now for either of you guys did that it's and it's weird because it was some it was just like a very brief piece of uh a scene that stuck out to me but when they've got to town and you see that mother and child just sitting on the porch did that stand out to you guys as anything Yeah.
1: It's another parent with a sick child, kind of reversal of maybe Ben and his mother. There's this mother taking care of this sick child, or I assumed was sick. He might have just been hungry and tired.
0: It stood out to me because of the just complete apathy, the, the just, they're done. They weren't going anywhere. They weren't trying to go anywhere. They were sitting on the porch with no purpose and... It was this piece that was still when everything was very busy and it it just struck a chord with me when I watched it. I also had this thought that as they're fleeing that area that maybe Ben isn't used to being touched and that may have given him more panic than the average person.
2: Oh, no, he's not used to being touched at all. (laughs) (laughs) Like, even his mother was like, stay away, don't touch me his whole life. so.
0: So that was basically his worst nightmare.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) I thought it was interesting how everyone just believed this mother, and especially since... So I looked at the different distance between Milfay, Oklahoma and Tipton, Oklahoma, and it's 212 miles. So they're not going to travel that long to just get groceries, they must live there now. And the other townspeople wouldn't have seen this girl being crippled. Or at least this is my guess. Like, my conjecture is, okay, they must have moved here because all their crops died because of Ben healing this little girl. And they Mm -hmm. all just took it in face value, which I don't know whether it was that was just them doing that to move the plot and kind of a plot hole or whether it's everyone's just so desperate they'll grab onto any
2: sort of chance on getting their troubles healed. I also think they're just that desperate. They seem to be going out of the way to show us how not well off this town is. Even the sheriff is coming over is saying, don't bother setting up because no one has money to spend.
0: I thought the woman she was with was her grandmother.
2: Mm -hmm. And
0: my theory was maybe because the family was hard up, they sent the kids to go live elsewhere while they figured out how to restore their fortunes in a way. I
2: don't know. All right. It's is the opening service for Justin's new Dignity Ministry, and there is much joy. Justin gives a sermon which criticizes those who oppose the new ministry, but praises the migrants for their endurance and unrelenting faith. Afterward, Justin is approached by two councilmen who insist on meeting with the with him the following day. And what do you guys think of uh the new ministry?
1: What stood out to me the most was Iris cheering on her brother slash crush completely reminded me of a girl in high school in a football stand cheering on the team captain that she has a crush on. Like it was <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God, yay! And so <laughs> wide-eyed and yeah. <laughs>
0: I felt that whole scene was just a circling of feelings. So you had Iris looking super happy, cheering her brother on. And then you had the worshippers like, someone's noticing us. And Justin is, yes, you are less than me. Let me tell you about the the fury. And it felt more like recruiting followers from himself and less about God. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he was so happy. He was like, oh yes, they are thinking I'm amazing because I am amazing. And then I was just like, you certainly are. <laughs> <laughs> so dreamy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sign my yearbook. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah, so I, that's what I felt like. And I didn't notice the name of the ministry before watching this, like doing the rewatch. And dignity ministry. I feel like, I, I don't know that it might be a kind of a dig or maybe it's just like the bait of do you want dignity come on down it just it's it seemed like a weird name for a church but then again former brothel is a weird location for a church so mm-hmm. there's that
2: <laughs> yeah i also wrote down that the councilmen coming to justin afterward reflect what is happening at the carnival when they're being ordered to sh- to shut down they're like yeah we need to talk to you dun dun (laughs) (laughs) so just highlights similar things are happening between both the plots jones and ben arrive back at the carnival jones runs over to samson all excited telling him about the commotion at the market samson curtly informs him that they've been ordered to shut down jones looks at looks to ben with a twinkle in his eye he has a plan. Next thing we know, Samson is seated in the office of the local church, informing the reverend that they are not a carnival anymore, but a revival show and healer. Half the donations will go back to the church, but when the reverend mentions a second church, Samson replies, let's have the Catholics take care of the Catholics. <laughs> so, so what do you guys think of this idea? The initial thought?
0: I... Well, actually, I have two things, one for the episode and one for like life. Jonesy is smart and Mm -hmm. street smart kind of way. I thought that was nice to see the new component. But that bit where he's talking to Samson, where Samson goes, he went from being a sport to a son of a bitch. I feel like I have to use in my life now. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that was really clever.
1: Man, no one in the show is on the up and up. Not no one, but no ministers or preachers are totally on the up and up. Everyone's for sale, which I don't fault anyone for or judge because it's just such desperate times.
2: Yeah. I also put the church's click to pick up their share and call it a donation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that makes sense. Their business, just like the carnival, or revival, or
2: whatever we want to call them. So, the 10 and one is now dressed up as a revival. Lyle Donovan is angry that the carnival is still putting on a show, but relents when the reverend walks by and speaks highly of the revival. Backstage, Lila is prepping Ben for the show. Ruthie, Gabriel, and Samson come by and are stopped when they see that Ben looks like someone familiar. Ben tries to back out of the show, but Samson tells him that's not an option.
0: Benjamin St. John.
2: <laughs> Does he look like someone familiar?
0: No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Considering the pictures we've already seen, it doesn't look like the person in the picture at all,
2: <laughs> or the dreams. No, not Sutter sure. or Valentino. <laughs>
0: That whole bit where they get this go-ahead, and then you see patrons coming in. Just how amazing everybody is. They're going from a carnival to a revival. A cooch girls wearing super nice dresses, and the artwork they did about Benjamin St. John. I'm like, they did that in a day? That's amazing. I know,
1: I thought that too.
0: <laughs> that exchange between Samson and the sheriff, where he's quick to cite the Lord, but in reality going, or the Bill of Rights. He knows where the loopholes are and when they're not. And I, yeah, he's just a smart guy. He yeah. is
2: so smug. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he really is. I, I like the line though. Never heard an honest man use the word legit. And I was like, yeah, he does have a point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wrote down uh, touche Lyle touche. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the victory is yours, but the battle is mine. Yes.
2: <laughs> All right. On stage, Stumpy is riling up the crowd. He clearly has great showmanship skills. Ben stumbles onto the stage and Stumpy selects a member of the audience to be healed. He picks a woman in a wheelchair at the back of the tent and she is brought onto the stage. Ben looks panicked. Before he lays his hands on the woman, her face pokes through the hood, revealing herself to be Ruthie, and he calms down some. This is a con. The crowd goes wild when she finally stands up and walks across the stage.
1: Yeah, in this scene, Ben is so sweaty and not in the sweaty that I usually like.
0: <laughs> the sweaty, clammy, oh my god, what am I doing up here? kind of way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I liked Stumpy selling God. I thought it was amazing. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: I, my notes actually said, he sells God as well as Cooch. How about that? was he an actor
2: (laughs) yeah I wrote come for Benjamin St. John stay for brother Lazarus Dubois (laughs) (laughs) yeah in the whole bit
0: like so you have him being really nervous and then after the big what to do about Benjamin St. John and I did think them chanting Jesus was a little cheesy but then I was like that's probably the only thing like Stumpy knows Mm -hmm. (laughs) he doesn't have a prayer in his head (laughs) yeah the I put if People could be cartoons. Samson had like dollar signs in his eyes. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: (laughs) I I think the good thing about them chanting Jesus was that I was amused by Samson's tone was more like Jesus versus
0: (laughs) Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, well, how about that? Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And uh, how... He Samson is so smart because he immediately picked up that putting Ben in that tuxedo was um Lod's idea. And Lod's just sat there smirking. Like, I don't know what you're talking about.
0: I'm just an innocent <laughs> blind man trying to take in the word of God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I found a tuxedo and I gave it to Ben.
0: <laughs> yeah. he He does great at that like smug I- expression but in that I'm not going to tell you what I'm smiling about, but we all know what I'm smiling about, kind of way. It was really cool. That
2: was really, like, fun seeing everyone, like, guiding Ben through the show, like, he's, like, a clueless child. <laughs> but, but they did actually seem to explain to him what the show was, what was actually going to go on in the show. Like, as if Amson is not going to put a plant in the audience or something. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I kind of wonder why they don't. Obviously, they've done something like this a time before. And maybe it just speaks to him being an outsider. And then that trusting him to play the role. I'm not sure.
1: Or it just, they thought it would be more dramatic for the episode.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Because we know Ben can really do these things. And so now we get to see him maybe or maybe not like out himself. That's currently <laughs> in the series, though. Yeah, I wrote Ben is Superman, pretending to be Clark Kent, pretending to be Superman.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And sweating much more.
2: (laughs) Ben is having another dream. There is a nice house and two people are leaning on the porch, a woman and Henry Scudder. They both have tears in their eyes and Scudder eventually walks away from the woman. After Ben wakes up, Samson makes an announcement in their dining area. The show the night before was so successful, they were able to procure a decent breakfast, and everyone is happy and and pats Ben on the back. Sophie doesn't seem to impress, but appreciates that Ben asks about her mother. Ben asks Samson if he can go into town, where Ben asks about the truck and Big Sky Farms. The driver tells him that the truck is owned by Becca Donovan and tells him where to find her. Upon arriving back at the carnival, Ben is mobbed by the townspeople waiting for the next show.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't be an episode of Carnival without some weird dream sequence, so.
0: (laughs) I had no thoughts about that dream. It was just like, oh, okay, we're here now. I did like the eggs and orange juice thing, because it felt like Ben was part of the crew for the first time. You see him, like, sitting with the rousties, and he doesn't exactly look smug, but he looks less quizzical and ambiguous.
1: He is enjoying the attention. I think everyone loves being appreciated and loves feeling like they belong. And you can tell that he's basking in it a little bit. I agree, not in a smug way, but yeah, he's enjoying it.
0: And I almost wonder if because it's male attention, it's easier for him to accept it in a way. Being one of the guys is easier for him to accept than, oh no, there's a girl in the car kind of thing. Do any of you guys think that Sophie? In how she interacted at that point was kind of, I mean, I know like the whole thing with her mother happened recently. So I wasn't sure if she was aloof because of that, or if maybe she thought it was, I don't want to say beneath him, but cheesy with what he was doing. Like maybe she disapproved in some way. I couldn't get a, I couldn't decide how I felt about that. If it was one or the other.
1: I felt like she disapproved, I think because she seems to be pretty legit and on this straight and narrow. She Mm -hmm. tells tarot cards and she honestly does that and doesn't steal money from anyone. And seeing Ben become part of, you know, swindling, she was not stoked on that.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, we see in the last episode, we see her give back money when she didn't like their outcome. So... I don't think Shirley really approves of the whole con and also she doesn't really understand what happened between Ben and her mom
0: and I had the thought when because we don't see Sophie right away in this episode but when we do she's in that real bright red dress that maybe that was a deliberate costume choice to contrast that she's different than everyone else in a sense
2: mm-hmm. she doesn't
0: want to be that con person she's independent.
2: That's true. They did that on purpose <laughs> to single her out. I mean, she's the only one not covered in dirt.
1: Yeah, I did take note of like how pretty she looked in that scene with her. Even though she's just walking around the carnival, I was like, oh man, Cleo Duvall is really pretty. <laughs> I think this scene also showed how big of a deal it was getting eggs and bacon.
2: Yeah, they went 40 miles out of their way, which has to be, like, seem much longer back then than today.
0: The cars didn't go that fast. Maybe two hours of a drive? Just for that, that must have been a really big score they had.
2: Justin excitedly gives a tour of the new ministry to the two councilmen. The men revealed that the building is slated to be demolished the following month. They offered Justin a roadhouse outside of town to use instead, but Justin calls them out on their prejudice against the migrants. The men are resilient and Justin walks away in anger. Iris tries to talk sense into Justin, but he is adamant that this is what God has planned for him and shouts, no. One of the councilmen then has trouble breathing and collapses and is carried out by the other men. Iris stares at Justin and walks away. So what do you think of the scene? The
0: councilmen were super shady (laughs) and you that one actor that plays the uncle to t- Carol who died has just this quiet contemptive fury. And the other one is just, I will sell your grandmother for a dollar. Look to him. I mean, it's obviously like is used to have to dealing with these people and really just keeps focused on what he's excited about because Justin is about Justin. <laughs> and, but it was nice to him being a little excited seeing people painting and them really reading things my biggest takeaway was that look that they have after he says no and the uncle comes in all hard of breathing and things and look that she knows what he may have done and doesn't like it that maybe iris isn't as much eyes in the sky maybe she does have a much better sense of who her brother is than previous episodes at least that was my take on it
1: i think iris has always suspected who her brother is or at least on some sort of power this might have been the first time she's seen his power in person in a way that has a bad effect on someone
0: yeah yeah go ahead oh no i was just gonna say or maybe it's the first time he's using it in public she's they live together it's just them so i'm wondering if she has this acceptance of the things that he can do maybe which is why she knows about it a little yeah and but in public it's like how could you kind of attitude
1: this one to me using of its power seemed like a surprise to him again like the last episode it for sure felt he knowingly did the vision with carol Mm-hmm. And he was in control then, but this one with the heart attack felt like a surprise to him. Like he was just having a tantrum, and then was, like, oh, okay, I guess I did that. I don't know. What was your thoughts?
2: I kind of wonder he got this building as a donation from Carol, who also was a councilman. Why didn't Carol tell him that this was going to be demolished soon anyway? I thought that was weird. <laughs>
0: Oh, see, I took it as if they just did a, oh, you can't have this kind of thing. They just didn't like what he wanted to do. And they created this Uh. problem. I mean, I don't know if I'm right, but that's what I uh, had thought was what they're trying to do. Oh, that could be. That's what I guessed. I would guess, like,
1: it was slated for demolish, but Carol just kept paying off the other council members. They mentioned that it's been kept being punted. And then they were like, okay, we got to get this ministry out of there. So let's bring this demolishment.
0: That's a good point, Monica, because as Carol died and the brothel shut down, they're not getting their pockets lined anymore. And so what will be the point of them
2: having it anyway? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because generally, like, homeless shelters and, like, halfway houses and things of the like are in poor neighborhoods, generally because people don't really want to see them every day. Mm-hmm.
0: I did like the uh, little mini showdown between the one councilman, the uncle and Justin, because Justin does not like anyone talking down to him. And that guy was done being quiet after a minute. So I just thought that the acting piece of it between the two actors, the, with what the words they had to say and what they were able to do with just a very little bit of direction. Yeah
2: hmm subtly
1: vying for alpha male
2: yes i also noted that at this point in the series it's clear that justin is the bad one as all he's been able to do is uh destroy things and then all that ben's been able to do is create things change things heal things yeah That's true.
1: I I will say Ben doesn't create, he more transfers. So he also kills things.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it seems like Ben is more externally motivated and Justin's internally. Justin is, I have this vision and it was given to me because I'm chosen. And Ben's all like, I don't want this business. And so I think one is more the humble versus the conceited.
1: Yeah. And I think at this point in time, Brother Justin, he's done evil things, but he's had amazing outcomes for his evil things, greater good outcomes for his bad things. He does have this ministry now. He is going to be able to have orphans there. And I think at this point in time, Brother Justin truly believes he's doing God's work. But I 100% agree that it's also partially conceited. Like, I'm doing God's work, and I'm going to do good things,
2: but I, aye. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gotta love his devotion, though. (laughs) His commitment, yeah. For real. Sophie is feeding her mother, Apollonia, who informs her that Ben wants her to drive him into town. Ben shows up, and Sophie accepts the favor and grabs the car keys. Sophie tries to pick Ben's brain about his errand, but he gives no answers. They arrive at the house from Ben's dream, except it's more worn down and unkept. The houseman answers the door and escorts Ben and Sophie to see Becca upon recognizing Ben. Becca is the woman from Ben's dream, but now older, gray, and very ill. Becca tells Ben that he has his eyes. Sophie is then us- ushered from the room. Becca explains that she knew Scudder and informs Ben about his gift. To give life, you must take it from something else. To heal is to hurt. Their conversation is interrupted by Lyle, who kicks Ben and Sophie out of the house.
0: I liked how they took the house that was beautiful and bursting with life and showed it decrepit, and how they it, the dream versus the reality. I thought they did really good on syncing that up.
1: Can I start with acknowledging how awesome the exchange between Ben and Sophie was when they first start on their journey? When Ben comes in to the trailer, Sophies Apollonia tells Sophie that Ben's going to want this favor. Uh, he's not going to ask me that, and then immediately ben comes in the trailer and is like hey sophie and he doesn't even ask the question and sophie's like yep sounds good and he's like okay he's not (laughs) even like wait i didn't even
0: ask you anything yet he's just (laughs) all right (laughs) he is a man of simple tastes and thoughts he's just catching up
1: (laughs) yeah and at this point in time he's probably like this is the least of the weird things (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah also, the guy was from Night Court. I don't know if you recognized him. The African American guy was one yeah. of the main. Yeah, who was the bailiff?
0: I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. He would say, "Everyone, sit down," and then he would announce, "Just Judge Harry, something, whatever." Something mm-hmm. like. Anyways, sorry.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I was. I actually I knew he was familiar, but I couldn't place him until you said it. I was like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." I do like that, at least on the rewatch, I didn't catch this the first time, but that basically Scudder sends people dreams, and she's used to it. <laughs> so she's not exactly too surprised that that this person has entered her life.
2: No. yeah. Oh, I wrote that, I don't know, she doesn't seem like a jealous lover at all. And she speaks fondly of Flora and of Scudder, so they were probably, I don't know, just friends like all i've read is that they're they've been friends they weren't in a relationship but i guess that feels true
0: he has that super cash like attitude with the whole coins and the knuckle thing while she cries so close but something
2: and on another note i wrote about Ben and Sophie in the truck if you're going to ask someone to inconvenience themselves for you they need a better explanation than don't ask
0: <laughs> yeah we yeah. see their personalities clash there my note on that yeah. was Sophie digs and Ben does not like it
2: <laughs> yeah I also wrote Sophie is so nosy and Ben is a bad liar
0: he is the only person she doesn't know it, it makes sense she's got her psychic mother and everyone else she's known her whole life and ben is the (laughs) thorn in her side like the person that she doesn't quite have figured out and he's not helping
1: yeah and it's also probably a really long boring drive you know (laughs) yeah they didn't have podcasts back then
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Sophie is asking too many questions that Ben doesn't have answers for. She pulls over the truck, and Ben gets out when she calls him a liar. She tries to run him down, but he dodges away and calls her a name, and she invites him back into the car. He refuses and sits on the side of the road and pouts. Sophie pouts in the truck. Ben is clearly late for the next performance, so Samson decides to dress up Schmidt as the healer. Nightfalls and Ben and Sophie are still pouting, but finally reach a compromise. I think
1: one of the things that I like about Ben as a character is that he's a human and not perfect. And you can tell he's a young guy because he's immature and selfish sometimes. And it was really rude for him not to be even polite to Sophie or to give her something. He's just got this wall up. And the fact that You know, she tries to run him over when he calls her a... I I don't quite remember if it was dumb bitch or a crazy bitch. Crazy damn bitch. (laughs) Crazy damn bitch. So he's slinging this, like, really derogatory stuff to her after she's kicked
0: him out. So I was like, yeah, don't put up with that. I love that. Well, I thought he said that after she tried to run him over.
2: Oh, I'm thinking of when she... Oh, didn't he? Okay, I, I think I. So she
1: leered to him, and then he called her a crazy damn bitch, and then she reversed and tried to run him over again. Is that how it went?
0: I thought that's when she reversed and asked him to get in, and then he's all. Like, and then okay. he goes and pouts got on it. The, on the mountain. Yeah, got it. It's, that whole scene is push pull two stubborn people, and I loved it. <laughs> yeah because they're not ben is normally too ambivalent to care about a whole lot or, or notice a whole lot and sophie is not really challenged in her life and them going back and forth she's like, i want some answers and he's i don't think so and she's like fine and, and just does that get out business and she's angry and she takes it out on him and it, ben jumps back which again she's not used to someone jumping back And then they have that standoff with her on the one and him on the other. And they both look just immature. Um, I
2: don't know how to say that in a nicer way.
1: Yeah, they look like children pouting.
2: Yes. I wrote, this is not a productive use of your time, children. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it took them so long to come up with this little compromise. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and it wasn't even it wasn't even resolving the argument. She was just like, "Okay, I'm going to give this nugget and just break the silence and how can I do that without actually saying I'm sorry or putting myself out there?" Like, "Oh, do you, can I have a cigarette?" And he's, "Oh, can I drive?"
0: <laughs> I kind of feel like when she puts that uh, that out there that right there right before she has that little smile and laugh, like maybe she realizes he just doesn't get it. He is not on whatever Wavelength. She
2: is.
1: I think she was like, "Oh God, we're being ridiculous. We've been sitting out here for hours. I'm going to give him <laughs> this olive, olive branch."
2: Probably just wanted to go home at that point. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last bit. At that night's performance, Schmidt is standing in as the healer, and Stumpy is carrying on. When Stumpy asks, he picks his daughter Dora May, but before they can start the healing. Lyle interrupts the show and insists that the healer heals his mother, Becca, instead. Lyle then realizes that the healer on stage is not Ben and demands to see him. Ben conveniently arrives just in time and walks towards the stage and asks Becca to be set down. Ben tells her that he wants to know the rules of his gift and then asks Lyle to stand back. Carnival members look on curiously. Ben attempts to lay his hands on Becca, but she refuses to be healed. He asks her where Scudder traveled to after he left. She whispers, Babylon, and passes away. (laughs) The room is stunned. Afterward, the carnival is packing up, getting ready to leave. Samson questions Ben on what his plan was if she didn't refuse the healing. Ben does not reply. Samson condemns him to grunt work indefinitely and joins Jones in the lead truck. Jones asks Samson where they are headed next, and Samson tells him, Babylon. The episode ends with a sense of foreboding.
0: Jesus Christ (laughs)
2: on a bicycle. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> i thought they had amazing acting all around so you had stumpy doing blah 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 love on god and then he had all the people who are like genuinely looking like they're drinking in every word he says and dora may in her thing i was like everyone in the family is a good actor
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: and then in those
2: jeans <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah and then my heart just broke seeing the sheriff carrying his mother and Ugh. that desperation like even Samson, hard ass Samson was moved. Like that's doesn't happen. And I put that one thing I noted was that Lois looked excited. Ooh, are we going to are we going to see it? He's just excited for Ben.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, he's ready. <laughs> yeah, he's on the edge of his
0: seat. And I don't know, yeah, it was heartbreaking and and beautiful whereas we just came from this kind of playful immaturity. And I just thought they drove home the whole cost of life as he's looking in the crowd. Is it going to be that person or this person? Yeah, telling
1: everyone to stand back. And yeah, this is, I don't know if I can count how many times I've seen this now. Like maybe this might be the fifth or something through the years. And I still felt so tense in those moments with the music and everyone else in the show on their edge of the seat.
2: I was on the edge of my seat. Especially when... Lyle comes in and interrupts the show. And he's heal my mother, and then it looks at Stumpy and Samson and Jones, and they just have this "oh shit" look on their face. yeah and then, you, then you just get like a drop in your stomach. You are like, "Oh no, how's this gonna work?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and I appreciated how they how long they took from when Lyle put his mother down to her saying. No, they didn't rush that. They stayed on that moment. And I think that helped build that tension.
0: Absolutely. Before we had seen people act really well, it, like in the show, the characters acting in this, I'm sick and heal me and that kind of thing. But when looking at her mother or his mother, it felt like this is actually the real deal. It's not inspirational. It's heartbreaking.
1: Yeah. And I think unlike Ben's mother who thinks it's evil, she knows the cost to it. That's why she didn't want it. She didn't want to put that onto anyone else.
2: I also noted perhaps being healed by the power changes you in some way. Oh. Maybe she knows that there's another effect to it too.
0: Mm. Yeah. Could be. Maybe that's why that little girl travel 200 miles <laughs> maybe that maybe. yeah makes them who are affected uh always drawn to him
2: oh i just think people are drawn to him anyway because of who he is probably yeah i know i am so <laughs> same with justin people are just drawn to justin but justin is also like a really great speaker so he has it easy.
0: And <laughs> he seeks it out. Justin mm-hmm. wants it and Ben's no.
1: I think one thing that I thought was, and I don't know whether this was just for dramatic purposes, because this is a TV show or it was another insight into Ben being a human with flaws and a selfish young guy, because young people are selfish. And the last moments of this woman life, stepping away and letting her son say goodbye to her tell her lover or anything he's like where'd scudder go Not me where's scudder go which could have been a con- like i said it could have been a conscious decision to show he's a selfish jerk sometimes with a one-track mind young and immature or it could have just been for tv show dramatic purposes <laughs>
2: I just think it's, uh, like, just an impossible choice all around. You either let her die by his own disaction, or you let someone else die by helping her out. All choices are bad. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But
1: I, I it's just referring to the moments oh, after yeah. she, she said no. and he's Okay, great. Tell me information, nude
2: Maybe he didn't really know how close to actual death she was. Like, I don't think he had any idea she was just about to die the next minute.
0: Yeah, Ben doesn't think about five minutes ahead of time. He thinks right then and there. I think that checks really well with what we've seen of his character.
1: Yeah, his frontal lobe's not developed yet.
2: And then afterward, I wrote it was good for Samson to take Ben off the hot seat because one day he's probably going to heal somebody for real, and then there's just going to be. chaos (laughs) chaos
0: <laughs> yeah he can't count on ben is i think what he learned everyone else knows how to even the people with some talents know how to be a team player and he was i think just more out of his depth than samson realized yeah i think there was an element of Samson trying to
1: pry information like part of him was like what's going on what was gonna what do you think was gonna happen if you touched her because he knows there's something that he hasn't put his finger on yet about ben
0: that's true Mm -hmm. and he's dealing with mysterious management so Mm -hmm. it's not like he's ignorant of things could be a little bit to the side (laughs) Yeah. Did you did you guys like the sideways way he was telling Jonesy about where they're going? Like, oh, just get on this road. And then this road. And then Jonesy's putting it together in his mind, like, We're gonna go past this place. And he's like, ah, Yes, fine. <laughs> <We're in Babylon. laughs> yeah.
1: Nope, it's taking us to Babylon. <laughs> I, and I just loved when Jones, Jesus Christ, and he's like, Jesus Christ on a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I know we've all seen this before, but what does this episode make you feel about this mysterious place, Babylon?
0: It's the thing you they know better to avoid feeling? Like nobody's like, oh yeah, Babylon, summer vacation place.
1: <laughs> if I go back to my first episode mind, and I think it was just assumed it was probably a super poor super rough really hot city
2: <laughs> or town
0: and not on circuit right
2: yeah yeah
0: yeah like it's a place they know better to avoid basically as they would there. not legit <laughs> as indicated earlier yeah or you know, not necessarily fraud but not above being in the gray Yeah.
1: But I didn't pick up that it had, like, mystical bits the first time, but just, oh, I bet this is a place where people are really poor and get in fights a lot, or something like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I know it had some sort of, like, religious connotation, because I, I don't know, grew up going to church, and Babylon is known to be the oppressor. So wherever they're going to is just not a good place. You don't want to be there. Yeah. I think if we're getting to a
1: general talk about this episode, I think this is probably one of my top episodes in season one. I just really like the pacing and I love the interaction between Sophie and Ben and how slow and tense and emotional that last scene is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Probably top
0: four for me. I don't know if what this is right for me, especially because I haven't done a full rewatch in a long time. But I'm going to keep that in mind. I did like this episode a whole lot, but I don't know that from just what I do remember. If I would say it's that up there for me, but I will be happily. I'll be happy to talk about it.
2: Yes, you're reporting (laughs) on it when we get through the whole season. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this is also one of my faves. I also find this episode humorous, too. Every time I think about it, I think of, like, Lila being very vocal in the audience, and that just makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do you start with a favorite character? This week, I just want to give a shout out to Stumpy. He's, Jesus. Uh... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my boy, Lazarus. <laughs>
2: That guy knows how to put on a show. And he's really good at it. Like, yeah. who cares about Ben? Watch it for him. <laughs> <laughs> like, he hey makes a revival.
0: Hey <laughs> he really did shine this episode. Like, in this one, we saw not... Like, he could sell anything, I think, is what we saw by this episode and versus other ones. Like, he was the guy selling the girlies, but... Whether it's girlies or God or a bag of marbles, I would trust this guy to make a sale. (laughs) I keep going back to Carol's uncle, even though there's very minimal screen time. He was the first person that, to me, kind of matched intensity of Justin. I really liked their power exchange there. Yeah. Plus, I just, I see him and I go, Beetlejuice. And...
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's why he looks so familiar.
0: <laughs> yeah. Olaf. <laughs> he can do anything. Resurrect the dead. Not resurrect. What does he do? He summons the dead. And uh could talk to spirits and decorate so many good things that he can do.
2: Yeah. What
1: about
0: you, Monica? Who do you like?
1: I think my standout this episode was solemnly Sophie. She doesn't conform to anything or anyone she doesn't try hard or anything she just is who she is and she isn't enamored of Ben she doesn't put up with his shit and she's incredibly smart and witty and yeah I could go on and on (laughs) but I'm gonna stop now
0: it's okay I wonder how much of that is so her mom can communicate with her telepathically and is always in her head. She like that episode she before where she freaked out because she couldn't hear her mom is disconcerting. But I think that kind of empowers her because she knows that she that everyone else is not in her head. So she can be a badass in a sense. At least that's how I feel about it right now anyway. I'm not going to hold on to that for the whole season. I <laughs> in this moment anyway
2: it'll be interesting to see what she gets up to when she can think for herself
1: I mean I do think her mom's only in her head in when she's in the trailer with her mom Or maybe not with a trailer, but I think there's some certain distance where she can't hear her mom anymore, much like when you walk away from someone talking.
0: That's right, because she goes to the town. That's why she was going to the town before. Yeah. That makes sense. Go her. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But maybe she is so independent because she grew up having to take care of her mom and had to become an adult.
0: Probably. Probably. Yeah, Yeah. she's
2: been doing that since she was a really young child. So it's probably been rough for her. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So thanks, everyone, for spending another hour and some change with the three carnies. I'm one third of the carnies.
0: Monica. And I'm Jen.
2: And I'm Tana. Thanks for listening to our episode. Hope you enjoyed And stay tuned for our next one, where we discuss uh, Season 1, Episode 4, Black Blizzard. Bye!